Take two. Now I gotta, I gotta re, I redo it. Now there's no surprise. I actually wrote it down this time. Well, that was recorded. Yeah, but it didn't save it because it was just too, too much hassle. So, oh, I see. So, okay. So, so welcome to the OFX podcast. I'm Dave Claxton, and along with me, as always, <laughs> the delightful deadlifting diva Bethany McChesney. And yes, I emphasize the always because this is the second time we had to do this because I screwed up. <laughs> and I forgot the as always, but that's not the second reason for the second time. The reason for the second time was my can, my video froze, which happens lately. I have no idea why. Um, how's it going? Uh, good. I'm well into my off season training. Um, me too. Cheers. <laughs> yeah. Um, which I always find a little bit odd. I look forward to it because of just the lower intensity but i find the high volume that i try to put in for a stretch in my off season rather exhausting um and i i actually i just find like the easy mileage and the slow grind um sometimes a little bit more tiring so but yeah that's my off season my i i, I made a l little story just quickly about it my only goals were to run lots lift heavy just keep it super simple so i've set some goals for this month so that's kind of my off season right now and uh, yeah i'm well into it and it's been good all right so and again we'll go off plant route is it do you find that like the best kind of off season especially off season like base building program and all that stuff is actually kind of dull Yes. And it's the stuff that people don't necessarily, I, I, it's not general, not everybody, but people love the really flashy workouts. Like, you know, your, um, your high output, the metabolic conditioning type stuff, like think your, your high rocks Metcon, sorry, your, your CrossFit Metcons, that type of stuff that makes really cool reels. Um, but the off season is a lot about, um like lifting with low heart rates trying to lift lifting heavier and then lots of easy mileage which isn't super glamorous um yeah so i think people tend to struggle with that we a lot of us who are competitors were we like gearing up for that next race and you know there's also something too about the off season and not feeling really sharp that gets with people mentally and typically if you do off season well you know you gain a little bit to help you gain muscle so you just don't feel in your prime in the off season and that's kind of part of it so getting around that mentally is really important I think to start your next season in a position where you have an aerobic base that can kind of carry you through the season. And then as you increase in your intensity in those short fast sessions, your aerobic volume that you had in that off season can kind of help carry you through. And you know what, like you're talking specifically about like athletes, which is great, which is good. But I find too, some of the people, because a lot of people that, you know, are into OCR aren't elite, aren't, you know, most of them are, are you know, I don't want to say off the couch because everybody says that and I'm sick of that term. But, yeah. you know, they're, they're, we're, we're, the weekend we're average, probably not even a lot of high-level age groupers. And to me, as long as you're doing something, right, you keep going, even if you're not periodizing, periodizing your training, right? Yeah. So you that have an off-season. You might just be the same thing all the time. Yeah. But that's still better than 
than nothing, right? Like that's still, still can be very fit and very well conditioned that way. You might not be perfect Mm -hmm. peaking for certain races, but you can be in great shape and have, have a good Mm -hmm. run all through the year if you work out well. Oh yeah. And again, you you have to totally look at the individual and what their goals are. And I think for a lot of people though, that do OCR and hybrid racing, um, it's an enjoyment factor. So what, what do they enjoy then that keeps them training year round? And they enjoy those different types of exciting workouts and the Metcons. And if it's going to keep them going and keep them loving their training, then go for it. Um, there's just always some caution that I give towards doing too much high intensity too often, um, and not kind of giving your body a little bit of a break from it, but doing it once in a while, still in your off season, like if you, you know, once a week is still great. And that's kind of what I do. Um, but just too often, too much and not having some sort of a down phase, even just psychologically, because a lot of us, I find OCR is so interesting because people race so much. Coming mm. from the track world, the the concept of racing every weekend uh, for like from February and I mean till December, because that's our Spartan World Championships happened, would just be so unheard of. So the amount that OCR athletes race is just, it's it's a lot. So if you don't have a phase where you even psychologically shut down, um, it's you're much more likely to hit a burnout phase. Um, so that's the only reason to why I say having a period of time when you kind of shut down on the high intensity stuff and just put in like low heart rate, low stress on the body volume. So here's the thing. This kind of rolls nicely into actually where I was going to go, which is kind of cool. So when mm-hmm. you talk about the whole racing all the time, and now that we've kind of pivoted and ventured a lot into the into the hybrid scene and with Deca lately, it's like a, you you can do like a deck strong every weekend. Yeah, or the, or high rocks, like because yeah. now we have we have two sports in Deca and high rocks that are designed for OCR off season, which OCR off season barely exists anymore. Yeah when you have a world championship in December, but there are sports that, that are designed for the winter because they're done indoors. So it's like, I don't really know when a hybrid athlete could have an off season, except for maybe a couple weeks around Christmas. And, and, but that's what's what I'm saying is so like, you don't want to race a beast every other weekend, you know, like you say, even though a lot, a lot of people do, but if you want to be peak, peak, peak shape for certain A races, you don't want to race a beast every other weekend. But if let's say, you know, let's say High Rocks Worlds or Deca Worlds is your A race, you can do a Deca strong very often, you know, yeah. in as training for your thing, right? That's not going to burn you out. And same with like doing yeah. like a High Rocks PFT or something like that, a Deca mile. Maybe not a full high rock set off. And that that is 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 a lot more grueling. A yeah. deck of fit, uh, deck of fit, depending on your intensity level, you know, maybe a little less. But I'm just saying, it's kind of neat with that stuff because you. And I'm a guy that likes to. I like that high. I like the high intensity. I want, you know, mm-hmm. I need a 55 inch TV in front of my treadmill, or I get bored. And <laughs> that's why I don't run outside a lot either, is because I get bored really quick. So yeah. I've been on record a lot. I don't really like running. I like racing. And uh, <laughs> the running is a means to an end. Yeah. Yeah. I like to race, you know? Yeah. So 
So I find it very, it's kind of fun for me. It's great that I, I mean, that we can, we can do, we can compete at, a, at these things so often as opposed to a grueling OCR, which you, you really should gap out and space out and, and, and be much more periodized for. Mm-hmm. So I, I really like that aspect of it. And I like mixing the two together. So that's good. But what I kind of was going with that is now in Canada, now we have like three DECA gyms in Ontario. We've got mm-hmm. um, uh, Pure Impact, who's got a DECA Strong coming up in the 28th of January. Mm-hmm. And Farm Girl has their second DECA Strong coming February 25th and 26th. So it's a two-day event. And then there is SO Fitness, brand new. They have not announced the date officially yet, I think, but uh, I, I would expect to see a DECA Strong coming from them very soon as well. And then probably like month, 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 month. And I'm like, I'm all over that. That's great. Cause it's like cheap. Yeah. And it's, just like, it's just like a Saturday high intensity workout. Boom. You're yeah. in. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm very excited about that. Mm-hmm. So I am. Yeah. I'm like, so from you as like trainer, Bethany. Yeah. <laughs> that's like, that's okay to do, isn't it? Yeah. These, well, these Deco strong events can really easily fit into a training schedule in an off season too, where, we don't necessarily like we don't peak for these events they're good training they're things to have on the schedule to kind of keep you motivated um but for me i would essentially train through these type of events um they're fun they're really good community builders it's really new still in ontario having these events so everyone who's coming is either done like maybe they've done one so it's a lot of people's first experience uh, so they're just, they're a lot of fun, but yeah, these ones, the deck of strong, especially is something that you could do pretty often and it doesn't take as much out of your system when, uh, you're doing these kind of local smaller events. Yeah. Cause it's only like an eight minute workout for me. <laughs> I was wondering, yeah. Cause it really just, it starts really, <laughs> I mean, the workout really starts at the bike. So <laughs> six, seven minutes, I should be done. That's not a problem. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and they did officially announce that uh, Mr. Kent is coming up to do a, what would you call it, a clinic or an instructional or or whatever. Yeah, yeah he's doing a DECA clinic. Clinic. Um, I think both days. Is it two days or two times? I, yeah, two yeah. different times on the January 28th weekend. Yeah, so I, I believe we're racing on the 28th and then he's doing the clinic on the 29th. So, okay. th- yeah, because you know why, right? Because he doesn't want to give away any secrets the day before, so you beat him, and that's that's. Oh like, right. Yeah. Kind of cheesy. <laughs> Not very brave, Mister Kent. But that's cool. Um. So oh, we didn't get a chance to talk about the four by four that we did. Did did that? I did. Did we? No, we haven't talked about it. Well, it just happened. Yeah, of course. I couldn't remember it was last week or the weekend before. But I'm a little bit of a blur. Mm-hmm. It was. I. I. I was confirmed. It was last weekend. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So the four by four, uh, I guess the way some of the the DECAS puts out these monthly challenges to their gyms and their affiliates, uh, quarterly challenges. Thank you. Mm. And, um, this one was the four by four. So it was essentially four times of a DECA strong done by four people as a team. And I gotta be honest, when they first rolled it out to me, I was confused as all hell. I did yeah. not understand the rules or the concept of it. So I'll try to break it down simply for you how we did it. You had a team of four. 
and then two people would start at zones one and two so at the uh the lunges and the rower two people would start at the burpees and the um tank so 10 and 9 and then you'd work your way in to meet somewhere in the middle and you could switch off pretty much anywhere you would go as long as you had two people on each half so you couldn't have like four people attacking one one station so like for us we we did i i did a whole row and and uh our, our partner or one of our teammates olivia um fit farm alum what would you call it uh enthusiast oh, well, she's, yeah she's a fit farm member fit yeah. farm yeah it's got to be like do you not like, have names for your people athletes athletes all right yeah that's a little lame all right well we'll figure that out but anyway so fit farm athlete one of bethany's one of bethany's gym mm -hmm. uh she started out with the lunges um the art department was doing the burpees and uh work friend of mine sam started out on the tank and we actually all finished those all together like we we completely did the whole thing separately and then kind of worked our way in i did all the sit-ups uh kind of like that and then we started switching off where we'd like switch off a bit on the skier a bit on the bike a bit on the farmer's care and then you know it was a little i we definitely did not do the best strategy possible we didn't work it out scientifically enough but we had a great time like as in we had a lot of fun and we put in a good time um ended up i think we were third fastest and, and second fastest of a co-ed team mm -hmm. fourth fourth fast fourth fastest thank you second fastest of a co-ed team and there just was a lot of fun. We had a good time and it was, it was free. Yeah. So we went out, went to a good gym, saw some good people, had a good time and it was free. And uh, yeah, I'm like, this is kind of the stuff that we're really enjoying. I'm really excited about it. So thank you, Pure Impact and um, Amber and Zach having us all out. And we can't wait for the deck of strong. Mm -hmm. And as I said there, I'm coming to smoke you all. So deal with it. <laughs> I don't know that I should mention that actually. <laughs> we may have so, had we may have had celebration mimosas. That's cool. Yeah, these type of things are just so good for community building, and that's one of the cool things about being um, a DECA affiliate is these quarter challenges that come out, and they're just they're neat events that take you a little bit away from the standard <clears throat> DECA strong competitions. Um, team things are always the most fun. Like we've said it a hundred times too, like the team event with DECA, the team event with High Rocks, um, relay style stuff, the team, the relay at OCRWC, like those are the most fun. So anytime you can incorporate that team stuff really just makes for really a really fun, fun event. So yeah, community building stuff, DECA affiliates get put out these challenges quarterly. So it's a good, uh, a, a bonus, I guess, for being an affiliate. Yeah, it's it was a lot of fun. So hopefully we'll do some more of those. And you know, it's finally nice to not being having to drive six hours to do anything like this. <laughs> yeah. Although I still will drive six hours to do this stuff. Um, what do you want to do? You want to go to Spartan or do you want to go to High Rocks? Uh well, why don't we stay on hybrid racing? Okay, High Rocks. So horrible, horrible things. No, actually, High Rocks had a lot of good stuff going on recently. Um, High Rocks LA, so we had uh, Kent and Rylan and uh, Rich Ryan all had a great showdown. Yeah. It was really good to see. He had a good battle. A um, couple of penalty. Rylan. Rylan came across second. Unfortunately, got a, I, I can't remember how long the penalty was, but he got a penalty because I think he went in the exit of the rock zone. 
or he went out the entrance, one or the other. Okay. That earned him a penalty, and that dropped him from second to third, which okay, little disappointing, but it is what it is. But all three of those guys went into that race the same way, kind of like still really coming off of Decker Worlds, having trained hard for that, not for the longer grind that is High Rocks. And definitely, I don't think any of them are the best, although they, they all put in a good time. Like, and Ryland was in Abu Dhabi the weekend before. Yeah, yeah, and I think he, I think he finally admitted that he has reached his limit, and and needs to take a little recovery and get some rest, and especially before High Rocks in Chicago, because I know he's gonna gonna be in tip top shape for that, and he'll he'll be a huge threat. Um, yeah. So that was it was great to see them, and then you had another a good three way battle from the women as well with uh, Lauren Weeks back on the High Rocks floor. Uh, yeah looking really good she looked really strong yeah yeah um camilla massa coming in second that was a great run for her and chris Vergolowski because you know she had to be there because she has to be everywhere no uh you know she needed to get this in in time for u.s championships so that she can yeah. be in elite 15 there and try to earn her spot for worlds um because of the way so the system works. then i i'm confused and maybe you so the u.s championships is chicago in february yes but how does that work? The Elite 15 is just for Worlds in May. Ah, so it, I'm glad you asked. Because <laughs> okay. I actually was a little confused about this too. So I, I reached out to Mintra. And because my thought was, and, and this is kind of part, and I'm going to gripe about the system again and again and again. And until they fix it, I will continue to gripe about it. But for the u.s championships there is an elite 15 in the u.s championships as well as there will be an elite 15 at worlds now the elite 15 in u.s championships will consist of the top 15 times previously recorded times from this year that sign up for that event so for example ryan ran ryan kent ran like a 102 or something like that at la uh best time right now is um or Dylan. best american time right now but it doesn't have to be american so let's say the best time right now is tobias right i think he's like a low 57s or something like that so if ryan kent signs up and tobias doesn't ryan kent would be boom because he has the fastest time so he'd be in that seed even though right now in the overall he's not in the top 15 so if all top 15 people like all those people from europe came over and signed up, Ryan Kent, Rich Ryan, those guys would not be in the Elite 15. So it's not a true U.S. championship. No, it's it's open. It's just on U.S. soil. And the same with the European, though, one. Like, for example, we know that um, Tara Jackson has gone over and competed in Europe, and that's where she got her time so far this year. And they could compete in the Euro championships. So it is kind of open like that. And here's the part that bugs me. Yeah, yeah, you're 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 all wrinkly in the brow there. And yeah. I guess <laughs> so you okay, you go ahead and I'll tell you what bugs me about. Well, it's just really confusing. You're calling it a US championship. Like you Yeah, I don't know. It's I don't know. You tell me what you think. Like I'm just confused when you're calling it a US championship, but you're letting people anybody come over and it's just taking the top 15 times. It also it makes it a little bit hard. For people to know if they're racing or not well they would still be racing right so even let's just say for argument's sake you hadn't put in like say you want to go and you're going as far as i know to the u.s championships you're going to race in pro 
you're not going to be an elite 15 because you do not have a previous time from this year. Yeah. You will still be eligible to put in a time that could be used and make you into the elite 15 for worlds. Okay. So the times that are listed now in the top 15 that we see is not necessarily the top 15 times. There's not the people that are going to the world in May. Not necessarily. No, no. They, okay. They, they could be. Okay. But they're not. Now, here's the way it works at the U.S. Championships. The reason you want to be in the Elite 15 at the U.S. Championships is because the top three, no matter what their times, automatically get the buy into the Elite 15 of Worlds. Right? Okay. So, so regardless of time. Right. So if you podium in Chicago, and Chicago happens to be the slowest course imaginable, and let's say uh, Rich Ryan runs a 110 but wins. Uh-huh. He's automatically into worlds, no matter how slow that time is. Okay. And that's the same for the top three men, top three women. So this is something that bothers me because let's for argument's sake say, and this is not very practical, likely never to happen. Mm-hmm. Let's say, I don't know where Kent's time is sitting right now, but it is not in the top 15. So let's say though those top 15 come over, which are 14 Europeans and Dylan Scott. Right. Way yeah. to go, Dylan Timo effects. Excellent. So <laughs> all of those people come over and race in Chicago, right? And then Chicago is a slow course. And Kent puts in another time of like 61. Even 60 is probably not fast enough now. But in a, in a separate heat, because but, he's not in. Because he's not in. So, so, he, so he, he's not in the Elite 15. So he can't win that first top three spots. Which means now he's done two races on American soil, right? Both good. Maybe, you know, maybe even, you know, he might not, not even be in the Elite 15, but might run the fastest time. And that doesn't matter. So he won the one in, in L.A., he could win in Chicago, but not be an elite 15, theoretically, very theoretical. Yeah. And then not make it to Worlds because he can't get in another race anywhere, even though he won two high rocks. And including the championship in a way, because of the way the system set up. And then because, because we do know that right now, all the European courses that have been held, or most of them, they've been super fast courses compared to some slower ones here. Like LA was ridiculously slow. Frankfurt was ridiculously fast. You can still argue there's something going on with the sleds, but I don't know if that's the case or not. But like uh, average sled time in Frankfurt was like a minute faster than average sled time in LA. And why that is doesn't matter. I don't care. It, it just is. But it just emphasizes, again, the point that qualification on just pure time is a bad idea. So then question for you, why, if it's it's so based on time, why couldn't somebody not in that one heat still win the event if they run the same course, same weights, everything? Like, like you were saying, if Ryan Kent runs in a heat that's outside of that top 15, why could he not win if he runs the fastest time? He could, like I said, he would still win the event, but he wouldn't get that top three position because he's not in the elite 15. So that doesn't make sense. If you're, if all of Hyrox is based off of time for yeah, qualifying. Exactly. It's a little bit pregnant, right? Right. Yeah. So, I mean, this is just kind of like the holes that I'm like, I, and I kind of see, saw it like, no, 
this situation I'm describing is not going to happen, right? Right. All 15 of those or 14 of those Europeans and Dylan Scott are not going to show up in Chicago and, and bump. Ryan Kent will be in the Elite 15. That's, that's, yeah. But it theoretically is possible. And we know if something is theoretically possible, it's, it, it's, it, it's possible. It can happen and sometimes does. And you don't want that. You don't want something like that to happen. You didn't, we didn't want stuff like Chris Roglowski and Rich Ryan not being in the Elite 15 at Worlds last year because of this system. And what they did this year is they said, okay, well, then the top three of each championship is going to get in. That's great. 95% of the time, 99% of the time, yeah, those yeah. podium people were going to get in anyway. So yes. you didn't fix the problem, which was on the back end. You want the back end more solidified, not the front end. The front end was already good. Yes. So, so then we still, like, Hyrox is still such a new sport. So um, what about the situation where someone's doing it for their first time? Like the race we just had where we had a world record set, and I'm forgetting the girl's name, mm -hmm. um, and it was her very first race. So what if she was in Chicago and it was her first race, she was in a heat outside of the 15, and she sets a world record, I like but that. she's not going? That's cool. Well, she probably would because her time would 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 carry over, but she wouldn't actually win the the guaranteed spot from that event. But I I, I like what you're saying. That's 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 interesting. Yeah, she would she would overall set a world record, win the event, and not get a top three spot in. But would she win the prize money? I don't think so. But I don't know that for sure. Mm -hmm. I don't think so because yeah. Like if at Worlds, if David Megida's time had been actually because yeah, David Megida's time was faster, yeah, because the course was 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 easier, it was a better setup, and he didn't win the money. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's cool. I never thought about that. I, I always forget about the money. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, I mean the money pays for a lot of these athletes' trips. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, they're yeah. you know it's that is important. It's hugely important. It's it's a great point. I like that. So, ah, yeah, that's, that's, see, again, that's a, that's a shit loophole. That's not good. Yeah. I don't like that. I, so, these things can happen. Yeah. Like, we, what you described was way more plausible than what I described. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So the, the other thing from the event came and a lot of people have been to women. We've been harping on standards for a long time, but it wasn't wall balls this time. Yes. Burpees. Burpee broad jumps. Yeah. So fire off. What do you think? What did you think? Or what did you see? Um, so well in LA, I watched some clips and reruns and everything. And I the burpees to me didn't look horrendous in LA in comparison to some of the races I've seen in Europe, where I was like jaw dropping at some of the form with the burpee broad jumps. Um, I, I just I find people right now are towing with this line with the way things are worded with the high rock standards and you can gain two to four feet on each movement, each burpee broad jump by just playing again with those lines of where you put your hands down and where your feet come up. And it seems to be that everyone, most people have seemed to adopt the step up from the burpee, which is allowed, but their step up is going beyond their hand position mm -hmm. which can gain you a significant advantage and then where their hands come down in front of their feet 
is can be really taken advantage of. Yeah. So, and we saw an example too in a European race where, and you can almost throw your whole Martin, Martin Musilius, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, if you're a six foot tall male, you're gaining five feet on that burpee. So that to me has been the biggest thing with these burpee broad jumps that people have really been pushing the line with. And uh, again, Ellie, I did not see anything as bad as um, that one video you sent me, but yeah, it's just, it, it's frustrating. Yeah, of course I have solved it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I I have an idea. I have an idea. So, uh -huh. basic rules, and I'm not I, I'm not going to read that verbatim verbatim, but basic rules of the broad broad jump. Wow, Burp, broad jump burpees uh -huh. or high rocks are when you place your hands down after jumping, they should be within 12 inches of your feet, or they say a forearm length or whatever. So yeah. we're looking. Let's just call it 12 inches for a standard measurement. Yeah. All right, 12 inches within your feet. What's happening now is people are bringing their hands down as their feet hop back. It's hard to tell if their hands come down within 12, with 12 inches or, or, or 24 inches or whatever. It's very difficult to tell. And it's very judged fast and it's on the fly. And it, you know, it's tough. So the thing becomes, and the first thing is in my head, well, maybe we let stuff like Martin Musilius did. Let's just let him go for it. Right to it. So that was you it. Can, but I'm like, yeah. So I'm the like whole that, body can fall forward. Yeah, sure. But then I'm like, yeah, but that sucks. Mm -hmm. Right? That's not what they want. That's not as good a test of fitness. It'll really screw with times and stuff. So I, so we don't, so I didn't want that. So I thought about it and I thought. Because a, a longer body has an advantage. Huge advantage. Mm -hmm. So, and as we know, we're short people and don't want that. So. Yes. <laughs> I thought if you take lines, horizontal lines, and put a tape mark every one foot, right? So every 12 inches, you put a tape mark across on the carpet. That way your judge can see where your feet land. Your hand needs to be within that same 12 inch section of tape marks when you drop back into your burpee. That's easy to judge. That's probably the only way it could be easy to judge. Thinking mm -hmm. from a race organizer standpoint, that sounds like a lot of time taping or the rug that they get it's just on the rug now yeah you just put it on the rug and leave it on yeah you that paint, would probably paint, be the only way paint it on the rug and i'm that's just, a good idea i know that's what i do <laughs> <laughs> i well, stay up at night and i think of ways to make things easier for judges <laughs> not every night <laughs> that's a half truth <laughs> But yeah, I mean, and, and I, I commute a lot, so it's in the that's current. True. That's true. That, that's true. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And, mm. and maybe the occasional night. I'm up. But yeah, it, it just seems to me like that's how I would do it. Um, I am going to mention it too, to Mintra, because I've heard them saying, well, they want, this is another bit of a bone pick. They, there's, I've heard them saying, well, we want, they're thinking about having it where athletes have to put their hands right where their feet were. One, I think it still presents the same problem of a foot kickback at the same time the hand's going down and kind of not being able to judge it at the same time. So even then, the lines would work if, just as well if you did the same thing. But then I heard some people saying, well, some people might not, some elites might not have the mobility to do that. 
I was just thinking that actually that's it does require a fair bit of hamstring mobility to go straight down. Yeah. So you know what my response is? Improve your fucking mobility. <laughs> you're a yeah, freaking you do it, then, you're an elite. Yeah. You're an elite. You yeah. know? That's just like me saying you're an elite, run faster, you're an elite, be stronger, you're an elite, become more mobile. That's yeah. part of the game. Uh-huh. You're an elite. It's all right. it would it would definitely change like so once we start if start implementing these things again, it's it's gonna change our world records. It would make the burpees slower. Yes. And I'm not saying it wouldn't make it harder. It'd make it a lot harder, you know. And and I know some people would suffer from the mobility, but I'm I, to me that's not an excuse. To me, I just don't. I don't think it solves the problem. So I was thinking about this though. What if they eliminated the rule of being able to step up, and everybody had to hop up with two feet together? That would save the part of people stepping up beyond their hands. It's kind of the opposite side of the burpee, is what you're talking about, but. Yeah, I, I, I get what you're saying, and I would be okay with that. I'd be fine with that, but I, and again, I'm going to go go back to, yeah, it doesn't solve the coming down problem, but it, it does solve part of the problem on the way up, because as we've seen before, somebody goes like to their knee, to a step, to step beyond the other foot. Yeah. I think that if you, again, because I, I believe the rules are you can't step past your hands. Yes, but people do it all the time on the second step. Exactly. So they take one step up and then step the second step past their hands as they stand up more upright. Yeah. And again, my line system fixes this. Okay. Because if your hands are at a certain point in the line, your feet can't go past that section, that 12 inch section. Mm-hmm. So I, yes, I know it's a lot of work to paint a lot of lines, but I think it would make the sport. I think it would be a, a vast improvement for judging. Yes. Mm-hmm. So I think that system solves both. And I'm going to give myself an attaboy. <laughs> cheers to me <laughs> and if somebody else says that this is their system they're lying it was mine <laughs> well i have not heard it before so no heard I, it, I, i've heard it here first but yeah i think and i mentioned i think i mentioned it to ian k of uh fitness racing podcast formerly hxr good guy over there do you know there's like three high rocks podcasts in the uk Wow, it's so big there. And, and then you know what? They're all pretty good too. They're not bad. So um, yeah. I, I'll be honest. I yeah, fitness racing podcast is the only one I can remember the name of right now. Um, maybe the hybrid approach might be another one. And but yeah, there's like three or four of them, and they're all pretty good. They're good guys, and and they mm-hmm. they do good good content. So check them out. Mm-hmm. Um, but we are like the source for really good stuff. Uh-huh. best even though one of the other podcasts over there says they are the best we are actually the best and we are definitely the best when it comes to there it is the deck like we we got that shit nailed down like mm-hmm. you can't even try it. like i'm like like the voice of deca and 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 like you're like world champion so like you guys <laughs> you guys got nothing nothing <laughs> by the way you don't play that card enough i would play that card all the time i know <laughs> No, I would be like like in line at Tim Hortons. Excuse me, world champion, world champion, world champion. Just bought my way to the front. Absolutely. I would be waving that card for, you know, relationship thing. You know, when when your when your spouse is pissed off at you, world champion. <laughs> Play it left, right, and center. You know. I want to watch no. this on TV, world champion. Oh, shit. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. Um, 
Tape lines for burpee broad jumps. Bump stops for wall balls because they're still not getting it. But again, you said this too. If you can't get your hips down because they're too tight, work on your mobility. Yeah, that's great, but it doesn't help the judges any. No. Right? And, and that's where I'm getting at is... And it, I still don't think the bucket is low enough for a lot of people. I think the majority of the wall balls we see that are wrong. Hold on. Yeah, you gotta yell. You want to talk here? You gotta be here. There's the mic. Get loud. Most are wrong are wrong because the judge never told them to fix it. Did you get that? No, <laughs> we didn't get. Okay, the she says that most of the wall balls, and I agree with this, that are wrong are wrong because the judge never told the athlete they need to fix it. Yeah, well, you don't know. You just don't know how if you're going down far yeah. enough. When you're in race mode, you're trying to go fast. So yeah. no, it's it's true. Um, people aren't doing these the the wall ball situation necessarily on purpose. They're just they're going until they're told to go lower. So yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, ninety percent of the time when somebody deserves a no rep, that's what it is. Except Martin Musellius, you knew better. Those were shit burpees, and you know those. It. Yeah. <laughs> yeah those burpees were bad everybody but you martin <laughs> not appearing on the show this week martin miscellaneous um <laughs> anyway so um that's pretty much the high thing um oh and it goes down to, again the final final thing which i've said before and time and time again at least in some manner or whatever and i will keep beating this horse no matter how dead it is Five people from the U.S. Championships, five people from the European Championships, five people from a last chance qualifier. There's your Elite 15. Who cares what courses are faster? Who cares what sleds are heavier? Who cares about any of that stuff? Because they got to do it head to head. And that's all that matters. So then, as long as the U.S. Championship is for... So, and by U.S., we're also going to include Canadian. North American. North American championship. No, American. The Americas. We could even do the Western Hemisphere, Eastern Hemisphere. I like that better. I like that better. Because yeah. if someone from, um, like, let's say the UAE wants to go up and race. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I like that better. Western and Eastern. The West and the North. The North and the West Championships. Yeah. We're, we're, we're solving everything now. Let's keep. We're on a roll here. So we got the yes. North and West Championships. As long as. Perfect. As okay. yeah. As long as again, we don't have someone from the one coming over and taking spots. Like you know, it's kind of how they work it with um, the regionals for CrossFit Games. So you're in that area. You go to that area to compete in your championship if you want a qualifying spot. So here's something I could say about that. I like that, but it does it does introduce some logistical problems with, you know, I guess it, we just go with passport, wherever your passport is, but with dual passport people and stuff like that. Um, so you could always say you need to commit to whatever hemisphere, you know, east or west you're at the beginning of the year. You need to commit where you're going. You pick that one. The other thing about that, though, is if we are doing like the top five and let's say let's say the European championship or the, sorry, the Western no, Eastern Eastern championship is first and the top five qualifiers from the Eastern champion all come to the U S all come to the Western. Jesus is going to take a while to get used to <laughs> all come to the Western championship and take the top five spots. Well, that doesn't matter because then it rolls down because they've already qualified. So it's the next five anyway, but then maybe so no, you know, I'm not, I'm wrong. I like your idea better. 
reason Which being part of my idea because now uh, you've lost me a little bit so where you just you commit to a side yes yes if you yeah. have dual citizenship you commit to a side yeah because then what strategy in that too because if you're if you have dual citizenship and you could compete east or west i mean the the pool of athletes again we've said it's huge in the uk mm -hmm. so you you might have a better chance in the us I don't, it kind of depends on your strengths too because you know, maybe our courses are a little bit different. So you just, you pick, you can yeah. compete at one championship. Yeah. I, li I like that. I like that. And then there becomes a last chance qualifier for five more people. And you can rotate that one year West, one year East. Yeah. And then, yeah. And, then and then you're good and you're good to go. Um, I, I think it's great. I think it's perfect. I like that idea. And then, like I said, you do away with all this controversy about sleds and times and all that stuff. And who cares? It doesn't matter. Yeah, it just it rolls, and I think it's more exciting because you're creating now three super exciting races. That no, sorry, four because you're adding another last chance qualifier. So now you've added another super exciting race. And the other thing too is, right now people in the elite fifteen they think they're going to worlds. Yeah, but they're not going to know until that last competition, right? Like, yeah. all, like a great majority of them, right? They won't have idea, and then the roll downs. Whereas if you win East and the West or you got your top five, those 10 people know we're going, we cannot be bumped out. Yeah. And then the people going to the last chance qualifier, they know, Hey, this is my last chance. If I get in, I get in. Right. And if I don't, I don't. So everybody gets a better travel idea, can plan their schedules better. It, it just, it's just a better system. Yeah. And then, you know what? Make as many crazy weirdo courses as you want. Yeah. You can have yeah. six 90 degree turns. Who cares? Whatever, you know? Yeah. Because you race the course. The sleds can be four minutes faster in, in or four minutes slower in Amsterdam than they are in Dallas. Whatever. It, it won't yeah. it won't have any any reference. So, yeah, I agree. There you go. We've solved it all. <laughs> Everything fixed right there. Uh -huh. Done. We were we really did, actually. I know. Mm -hmm. All this all we needed was a non-alcoholic beer and Whatever the hell you're drinking today, I have no idea what that is. It's a monster drink. <laughs> monster energy. It's All right. It's time for me. <laughs> I'm tired. It's bedtime. Somebody give me a monster energy drink. That's a great idea. Um, okay. So we'll do some Spartan stuff. This is supposed to be a short episode. We're friggin' didn't do well. Um, <laughs> what should we start with? Let's start with new Spartan obstacles. Uh-huh. What'd you think? Okay, so we're talking about these two obstacles that we saw the um, the previews of from the last race. So the one um with with the tilting monkey bars across the monkey bars. Um I like that one. That's yeah. fine. Pretty self-explanatory. Really yeah. Yeah. Uh the second one, which was the big A-frame thing, the monkey bars, when I first saw this. And I saw Rylan Shattig go through it. My first thought was, oh, great. Another obstacle where short people are at a severe disadvantage. Because <laughs> I feel like Spartan just keeps to make things harder. They just make things higher. So mm -hmm. short people, it's just harder for them. Um, but then because the, the A-frame, the monkey bars um, are so spread out that someone who's not very long would have a very difficult time with this but then i realized you can use your feet 
Am yeah, I correct? It like it. Yeah. Uh, they haven't announced that for sure, but I did see Garfield mention something like that on uh, uh-huh. Instagram post. And yeah, I, I believe that this obstacle was used in the past. Okay. And I did see an old are. YouTube video yeah. with Joe D.I. Yeah. Um, and you could use your feet. You do the trick. It's kind of like, it's like stairway, but you can use your feet. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it is a big gap. Those looked like they were like three or four foot gaps in between. Yeah. They, they were very large. Yeah. And I personally was excited. I think it's a great idea. I'm all for it. Um, mm-hmm. And make the penalty well, loop for that really, like really long. Type obstacles are great. But again, if you're going to do monkey bars that are that far apart, mm-hmm. someone of small stature, that's just. Yeah, it, it would be tough. But I, I, I like, I like that they're bringing out some other stuff. I hope that they put it in. And I, I hope they don't take anything away for it though. Right. So just increase the obstacle density is what I would Agreed. like. So that'd yes. be good. And uh, yeah. yeah. And then you did overlook the one, which is the new spear. Uh, no, I haven't. Yeah, I did see this, but I'm a bit confused about it. So it's essentially a gong. So the spear does not stick. It just no. makes a sound when you hit it. Yeah. If you get it through the hole, it makes the gong sound. And um, if you don't, it, it doesn't make the gong sound. Um, so this, this helps then with situations of, um, the target breaking or, um, the spear not necessarily going in far enough or it bouncing out or all of the things that kind of happen with spear throw. I agree. Um, and I think that's going to be, that will work really well for elite and the front end of the age group. And then the back end of the age group and the open is going to be a gong show. <laughs> and I, I mean that in in a way and i think of uh, i think the art department she was volunteering at the spear throw in in blue mountain and it was just massive humanity so everybody's throwing spears you're gonna be hearing gong gong bang clunk bang clink clink clung clang like every noise in the world there's no way you're going to be able to assign who hit who didn't hit with like right. one or two volunteers so right i think it solves one problem and it creates another i don't know if i like it i say try it try it see how it works yeah, yeah. you know it, it, it i can't say for sure it will be bad but i the other two obstacles i really like and i think are great and this kind of thing for the spear i'm like yeah good okay, question gonna... Is this gong thing um, a distraction to take us away from them not using the pistols? Hmm. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> pistols suck. Anyway. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I, I think this was a legitimate attempt on their part to try to to, to fix exactly the problem you said of, yeah. of you know, Spearman malfunctions. Mm-hmm. Um, and two, and I actually heard um, Faye Morgan brought this point up, and it's a good point, I never thought about it, was sometimes, you know, some dudes throw those spears so bloody hard, they're stuck in there so hard that when you next time come along, you can't even pull them out. Right, I didn't even think about that. Sometimes yeah, it's hard, yes, right. Pulling them back is sometimes hard, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and that was, I heard And that's Faye. a time waster. Yeah. Yeah, even if it's just like a two, three yanks, that could be three, four seconds. And like the mm-hmm. spearman is a long obstacle. Yeah, right? and it's, it sometimes snaps that rope. 
Yeah. Yeah. And then you got to move to another one. And so, yeah, I mean, it solves that problem. Definitely. So there's two problems it solves and it creates another. And the problem it's creating is for the open waves when in reality, it's the open wave. You can, you can actually leave it to, um, the honor system and be okay with that. Cause it's, it's not yeah. non-competitive. Agreed. I, yeah. I know I'm mostly I thinking in the problem would be at sometimes when they have some really, really big age group categories that maybe it becomes an issue there. But yeah, I say, I say, give it a go and see how it works. And um, yeah. I will reserve judgment until I actually see it in the. Yeah. I think it's a battle. good, I think it's, I think it's a good try to, a good attempt to solve some of the issues with spear. I will say this though. It's not as cool. Yeah, there's something about sticking your spear still that feels yeah. pretty good. <laughs> yeah, it's, and like I got I got a spear to throw in the backyard, and that's kind of fun. And and you know it's a spear, and 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 it's if you're not impaling something. Yeah. It's not a spear. There you go. And and now it's a gong with a rubber ball in the end. Yeah. So then we could throw anything. Hammers. Axes. Yeah, axes are tougher than you think, though. That's hard to get them to stick in there. But you just have to hit the gong and make a sound. Well, then you just need a hammer. Or a rock. A yeah. Rock. Like Highland Games, 26-pound stone. Oh, like a shot put. Yes. <laughs> now we've gone from solving problems to making stupid suggestions. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> we were so good earlier. All the previous track athletes are like, yes, make it a shot put. <laughs> I was a shot putter. Damn. <laughs> I've... I I've I've shot a few putts in my life. <laughs> <laughs> I need to go back to find out the origin of that. You know, is that a, the ball is not called a put? I don't know why you shot it. No, no it's not. Like an eight an eight pound put, and uh, <laughs> why did they? I think I might have asked you this before, but when did when did when did it come? Like in when I was in high or grade school, we did shot put. I believe I even had a record in uh, Hans County, Nova Scotia. For uh, uh, I think it was like eleven year old shot put or twelve year old, whatever, somewhere mm. between eleven and thirteen, shot put, and now they all do like ball throw and like the hell is yeah. ball throw? Did, yeah. Why did shot put get canceled cultured? I know. Um. Well, I'm just I don't know. I'm going to guess some of it is that in order to do it, you also have someone qualified to teach it, so it's which I think shot put is easier than some of the things that we still have, but it could be that it could be the balls are heavy, more dangerous. I don't, I don't really know, but like we right now in the elementary school system, um, they've gotten really far in only doing things, allowing things at schools where you have to be qualified to teach it. So like high jump is still in elementary schools, but if you're going to have it at a school, you have to have a teacher actually go to a full weekend course on how to coach it, which is fine. But sometimes asking a teacher to give up their weekend to do something doesn't happen very often. Um, so a lot of schools aren't having high jump anymore because they don't have someone now qualified to teach it. So I think I don't know if shot put kind of went by that, but because it hasn't been in the elementary school system for a long time, but I'm assuming it's something to do with safety. I'm going to go out there and say that I think putting a shot or shotting a put is safer <laughs> than throwing a ball hard. I Yeah, it doesn't go very far. And not only that, but the sheer motion of, of shot put is like a push. Straight yeah. out push. 
mm-hmm. a ball throw with that torque on the elbow and the mm-hmm. wrist and all that, that to me is a more dangerous, most dangerous motion than a shot put. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. The shot um, put is very, it's a very tight. Yeah. Tight elbow. Mm-hmm. Solving problems. Bring shot put back. You know what? Hashtag bring shot put back. Mm-hmm. I was, I don't remember why we went. Oh yeah. Gong. So all stuff. Okay. Smart. <laughs> <laughs> gongs and gongs um other spartan stuff uh and this just got this just just saw this and this was where, where to go courtesy of obstacle racing media mm-hmm. and this i don't believe is an official announcement this is kind of you know news but uh apparently spartan is leaning towards national teams as opposed to the old school pro team and the teams i guess would be selected by the each on each country's obstacle federation which again leans into this world obstacle tie-in and working with ocrwc and all that other stuff which is a bit of a tangled mess but may end up being a great thing but i looked at that and i said well you know politics aside let's not worry about that I just think it's kind of cool because I love team stuff. I'm all about the team stuff. Yeah. So, but this is what it was it, like in 2019, they have this. Mm-hmm. They had, we had a Canadian team. We had a U.S. team. There was a U.K. team, Australian. Mm. But I think this is going to be a smaller scale. Okay. Where it's like, let's say, and I'm making a lot of assumptions and and, and guesses and stuff here. Yeah. But the way I'm reading into this is it's going to be more like like a four-person Team Canada and you will compete against other countries. And if it's not being worked that way, I think it should because it would be really cool. So then that's a really small number for selection. Yeah. But I think... And then are these people fully funded by outside sponsors? or I think that they would get... This would be the teams that would get support from Spartan. And then I don't know what the deal is with outside sponsorships. But I'm just saying that I think that if it was the case of that was a scenario, like four-person teams from, you know, four-person team from the States, from Canada, from Russia, from, you know, UK, from Ireland, that would be so exciting to see the crossover, especially, you know... in certain, I just think that that would be exciting. I don't know how the whole thing would work. I just thought that would be really cool. Yeah. So then I wonder they they haven't released this yet. But then what would the series be like? So we had a North American series this year. So if they're leaning towards this, then are they thinking about doing a more global series? So if you're saying small teams, then are we going to put a race? one in Canada, one in the US, one in the UK, one in the UAE, one in Australia, and these small teams compete at all of them, funded by Spartan. That would be very exciting. I would love to be on that team. <laughs> that is that sounds really cool. That does but, sound really cool. <laughs> yeah, but I yeah, moving towards national teams makes more sense, I think. Um but yeah, I'm just I'm really curious though what this will look like. And this is all very hearsay. And like, I might be way off and it might be like you said, just, you know, each country picks their team of 10 Spartan athletes or whatever the case may be. And then that's the protein. 
<clears throat> but I would see the thing is I would think if it was that the Spartan would just do it themselves. They wouldn't involve the local federations. Right. So that's mm -hmm. kind of where I, I, that's why I think it might be a competitive against each other thing. Um, but I'm making, like I said, grand assumptions and, and guesses and not having yeah. a ton of information to go on aside from this little Instagram thing, mm -hmm. which, you know, who knows? Who knows? And it it, it could be it, it could be nothing at all. It might not even happen. But I would think it would be very cool. Yeah. I, well, I think it's better than the pro team situation from this past season. So either way. I, yeah. And, and I mean, I didn't mind the pro team situation. Like I didn't mind the qualifying standards they did that, uh, that Jack and, and um, uh, Steve Hammond set up. I didn't mind that at all. Um, I liked it because it was factual and, and boom, boom, clear cut. But I've long been a proponent of the protein makes no sense to me. Yeah. So this just kind of falls in line with it. Whereas this national protein thing does make more sense because it's it's creating a competition, a rivalry. And I, I like that. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, if that's there, that's cool. I would like to see it. We'll see. And then the other so then thing again, we saw to your point, why why have pro teams at all that are funded by Spartan? Like why not open it up again to let's create teams um completely not funded by the racing organization itself maybe maybe what you have is uh for example the national body so that would be obstacle sports canada for us selects mm -hmm. a team that team has essentially their seasons pass and their sponsors who obstacle sports canada has got on board to sponsor yeah. this team yeah and then and that then it goes from there right so yeah. The country would provide sponsorship as best it can, which again, in a scenario like that goes back to where the federations can help get governments, you know, you'll never get government funding for a team like that unless you have accreditation. <laughs> government funding from Canada yeah. <laughs> for athletics. You know what? People have kind of like talked about that, like, and like, what's one of those things that would come good from actually getting recognized? And yeah, you, you don't get a lot of money from Canada for athletics. But what is a actual legitimate potential thing to see is like outdoor obstacle courses at park, parks and things like that. Facilities. So training, like legitimate training facilities. Legitimate training facilities. That is something yeah. that, that Canada does do for the athletes and stuff like that. And that's the kind of thing that would be provided. And that stuff hits like, you know, not just high-end elite athletes, but it hits kids and, and stuff like that. And people want to yeah, train like... the grassroots programming. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, you see it a lot of times we see these in Europe and I'll see people just going to the local park and there's like cool obstacles set up at their local park. And I'm like, that's great. And like, that would be awesome. Yeah. And that's yeah. the kind of thing that being recognized as an official sport can help build towards, among other yeah. things. But that's just a little something out there because I know a lot of people in the States apparently their systems are a little bit different and they don't they don't get that or understand that. There's, at least that's from my understanding, mostly from listening to Matt's podcast is that it seems to be a different system and that's just one of the benefits. So mm -hmm. I say it's a good thing. Mm -hmm. um, from the very little that we know about it right now. From the very little that we know about it. Mm -hmm. That may be nothing. But we have fixed high rocks, so that's good. <laughs> and then the last thing I had was, uh, and along the same thing, uh, British Obstacle Sports have announced a uh, collaboration with Spartan for a British, a UK championship. Mm-hmm. And I think that's very exciting. Like, mm -hmm. I just think the more 
you know, more collaboration they get going to that I actually think is good. And I think British Ob Obstacle Sports has the best federation name because it's called Boss. <laughs> Even though apparently yeah. they don't like to be called that. But yeah, I I hope that that's one day where we're where we're going to get to is to mm -hmm. have you know the uh, a, a national sports and the national championship. And I would I would wager that it is coming sooner than later. Yeah, well, these organizations coming together for the betterment of the sport, I think, is just going to bring positive things. So it's it's really good to see that that's happening there. And a lot of people have like a lot of fear, and they're like, "Well, these are just." politicians getting rich and well right now they're not maybe one day they will be politicians getting giant olympic kickbacks and all those sorts of shady crap that goes on there it might be but right now i guarantee you well i shouldn't say guarantee but i'm gonna put a large wager that none of these people are getting rich at all and in fact most of them are probably throwing in money out of their own pockets and losing money on this deal so mm -hmm. I can attest to that. So <laughs> anyway, that's all. I think that's it. I think I, I'm, I'm good. I think that was yeah. our, our, our 20 minute episode got extended. Yes. Our, our attempt at a short podcast. <laughs> we suck at that. We tried it once. We go, on, we go on interesting tangents too easily. We tried the first one we tried to do. We tried to do in 15 minutes and we screwed up our first attempt. <laughs> said, well, let's not do that again. <laughs> you know what I was thinking was cool? <laughs> this isn't normally how we talk after, but I'm going to do it now. Um, it would be really cool to do like an OFX online invitational with like, like four elite men, four elite women doing like virtual workouts against each other and then have like a champion. I think that would be a lot of fun to watch. At the same time? Maybe, yeah. I mean, if possible, it would be really cool. Like, I mean, you can do that with Obstacle Sports Canada, right? Yeah. But I would think... That's know, hard to coordinate the same time. It's hard to coordinate. I think the, the only time. reason we made that work really was lockdowns. And it didn't really work. Yeah. Not <laughs> like it had originally planned. The, the <laughs> men's worked. Yeah. Fairly well. But the women's didn't really work because we had sick and then we had no shows and then we had uh, tech difficulties and and, and yeah know. so but i just thought like i was thinking uh not in the big open field maybe a little more a little more planning at a time been a gym. yeah so definitely be more of a hybrid one than an ocr one but i just thought that would be really cool i don't want to think about that today mm -hmm. let's do a hybrid one yeah yeah exactly mm -hmm. and i still nothing I mean, too heavy so i stand a chance yeah, 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 for sure. <laughs> I still think I still think virtual comps are cool. I mean, the CrossFit Open proves it all the time that it's still cool, it's still fun. Yeah, I'd be down for it. And now that it's not, people aren't so down on them. I think it might it might be interesting. It might work. So, mm -hmm. yeah, I'm pretty sure we know enough elites we could throw that together. Mm -hmm. Let's do it off season. Off season. That's now. That's off season. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Cool. All right. I'm gonna finish my beer. Oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah. This episode Fine. is brought to you by <laughs> Duo Namek, who has, by the way, been like the most amazing sponsor for the longest time. And thank mm -hmm. you so much. And please support them. Get your pull-up system. It is a great system. It's a great yeah. value. And they work really I good. use mine almost every day. Yeah, yeah. It's it's really cool. I actually, I, I meant to bring it when we went down to, uh, to Deca World and I forgot. 
I was going to bring it and do some some work. So when we go to Chicago, we'll do it. And when we what we do is we'll like sneak it into the deep dish pizza pizza place and do like pull ups on the bathroom door frame and like run around different places in Chicago doing strange pull ups with with. The I like it. And designated drinks.ca, which um, I'll be honest, it's not this one because I was going to drink that one and then finish this one, but I'm going to have a proceed with caution amber. One of my faves. Yeah, we're going to get into that. So thank you, Beth. Shut me up. <laughs> Thanks so much again for listening. Um, we hope you learned something today. We hope that Hyrox takes our suggestions because we think we have figured everything out. And until next time, keep crushing it. <laughs>